Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt, and in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. My guest today is Jonathan Kendall, the CEO of DealRaise, a done-for-you capital raising system for business owners that want to take their company to the next level. He started his career as a freelance business ghostwriter, copywriting expert, and author. He then joined MentorBox as a copywriter and marketing expert and quickly became the CEO, helping it scale very quickly to grow to more than 60,000 customers. In 2020, he helped raise over $100 million from accredited investors and served as the consultant and executive at Retail E-commerce Ventures. Super excited to have him on the show. You guys are going to learn a ton. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Super excited to have you on, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I'd love it if you can give our audience some context uh, on you and what you're up to these days uh, and maybe a little bit about what got you to where you are now. Yeah, so... I am currently involved in three companies day-to-day. One is called Virtual Worker Now, with 400 employees, a digital marketing agency. I also have a company called DealRaise. We help entrepreneurs raise capital. And I have a company called Lead Nurture, which is a a CRM uh, backend service for larger businesses. Uh, What got me here, I originally started in copywriting as many digital marketers did, uh, that taught me the laws of human psychology and persuasion and funnels and taking a customer along the journey from never hearing about you to a raving fan. And then I got a job with a company called MentorBox. So I was the first employee there, ended up becoming the CEO many years later. Uh, We had 200,000 students. That was probably where I'm most famous for because we spent some $30 million on advertising with my face on it. So lots of people recognize me from, from the MentorBox advertisements. And then I worked for the parent company of MentorBox and helped them raise money to acquire brands that are fairly famous. Uh, internationally, the most famous one is Radio Shack, but also some larger brands like Pure One Imports or Dress Barn and, and various others. Uh, so that transitioned me into my own entrepreneurship where, you know, like I said, now I help companies raise capital. I have a CRM company and a digital marketing agency as well. How did you transition yourself into being kind of running sort of companies as CEO and being involved in that kind of thing to then going, I'm now going to go and do my own thing? Because obviously there's, there's, a, there's a rub off effect, right? Like when you're around greatness, you tend to absorb some of it if you're, you know, even half decent at paying attention. So what was that transition point for you and and how did you go about it? I've always been aggressive and highly ambitious, uh, but not risky to the point of absurdity. 
And I feel like I made the transition when I felt like I was competent enough to pull it off. So I, I'm a big proponent of Cal Newport. Uh, so good they can't ignore you. He also wrote Deep Work. And he says that nowadays, a lot of people want to do something that they're passionate about. And that's good. You should do something that you don't hate to an extent, but don't believe that just because you want to be a yoga instructor, you're going to be able to compete in the open market with other yoga instructors. Because to be honest, there is a competition for artists and filmmakers and fiction writers and all these you know, fantasies that you may have. You have to be able to compete. Entrepreneur, whatever it is that you do or whatever value you want to give to the world, there are other people that have similar businesses or similar skills that are also trying to give that same value to the world. And I was fairly methodical about it. So I felt like I was acquiring skills. Like when you're playing a video game and you pass a level and you get a sword and then you pass another level and you get a new gun and then you grow a little bit taller and now you can fly. And you know, in order to really win at entrepreneurship, I think you have to acquire those skills. And I was uh, I, I took the leap when I felt like I could pull it off. Uh, so did you, did you have things kind of set? So you had a soft landing as you jumped ship or was it like a landing on the floor, break your ankles and then stand up and figure it out uh, type situation? <laughs> That's funny. That's a really good way of putting it. No, I, I definitely took equity in companies before I fully transitioned. I, I, I definitely recommend that seeing on your weekends or after your normal shift, seeing if you can, if anyone else is, will pay you for your services <laughs> as a freelancer, let's say, or as a consultant, and then it open up a, an LLC and see if anyone will pay your, your LLC. That's a, maybe it's an American term, but your company. And then if you can get one person to do it, then maybe you can get two people to do it. If you can get two, you can might get five and 10. And then eventually you're going to realize that the opportunity cost of you working at your current position, working for someone else or someone else's vision may not return you know, the same uh, as if you did it on your own. There are a lot of people who I think love the idea of getting into business and being in control, but they, they, they fail to see that they would just make great number twos, you know, or a number three or a number four or a number five. What's your advice to people who love the idea of just like, I want to be Beyonce, but it's like, but I can't sing. That's obvious, <laughs> but it's not as obvious in business. I don't think maybe it is to know that you're not Beyonce. What's your advice to trying to find that out? If, if you just make a good number, number 14. Uh, in a company versus you should be doing this on your own. I like uh, the second habit of highly effective people begin with the end in mind. I think this goes for business, your career, dating, marriage. I think this applies to basically everything. You have to know and be honest with yourself about what you want. Truly. And play it out to the end. And play it out to the end, not only the outcome that you want, but also, am I willing to do what's necessary in order to accomplish that outcome? Knowing that it's going to be 10 times harder than you think. And if you realize that 
that outcome is possible to attain it by being number 14. And it would be more comfortable and it's more, let's call it, I don't like the word realistic, but reasonable for you. Then there's nothing wrong with that. It's totally okay to be self-aware and say, what I really like to do is to have a job that I can contribute to society that paid well, maybe have some stock options. So I have a high upside, maybe a retirement. And I'm also not going to put myself out on the edge where I'm responsible for everyone's payroll. And that's okay. It takes a lot of journaling and self-reflection and meditation and honesty with yourself. Cameron Harold is probably my favorite teacher for this idea. He has a mastermind called, I believe it's a COO network. But if you just Google Cameron Harold, he wrote a book called Vivid Vision. And the irony of him writing Vivid Vision is that he, he goes into companies and helps them achieve their goals by being strategic about their visions. He's a champion of number two. He's a champion of operators and the C-suite class that is incredibly important for businesses to thrive. So it's a maybe not a sexy answer, but it's the real answer is it depends on you and you got to self-reflect and and choose your path. Well, that's that, that's the truth, right? And the, and the truth isn't always sexy. People people love to think I want to I want to be a billionaire, and it's like, well, you're not currently making decisions like billionaires would. You're scarce with money, and you're not putting in the work, and you're watching way too much Netflix. And I think that people don't they don't get honest, like you said, and and dream a bit and go, well, what do I really actually want? Uh, not just I would like to be having more money. It's like, well, how much? Right. And then how do I want to live with that? You know, is this a hundred hours a week thing or is this a, I want a million dollars working one hour a week doing nothing? And then you go, okay, now am I willing to sacrifice to get to that point? Because people just think things happen. Like they just think, I'm going to make some TikTok videos and then I'm going to be famous. And it's like, the, these people work really hard. Kim Kardashian said this recently and I, and I, I loved it because I immediately knew all the comments were just going to be absolute cancer. Uh, she talked about some people are not willing to do the work and you've got to do the work. Now, everybody immediately wants to protect their own egos. And so they say things like, well, it's easy for you to say because you're rich and blah, 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 right? The reality is that there is no way that you can become that successful without putting in the work. It doesn't matter how it might be different from you know somebody working in the coal mines. That's a different kind of work. But to act like Kim Kardashian has not put in the work and isn't smart and doesn't have good business sense is delusional. And you're only doing it to protect your own ego. We always want to make excuses for why it's easier for somebody else and not for ourselves. Maybe it's the wrong question to ask, but like, how have you sort of avoided that for yourself and always looked for ways of moving forward despite obstacles? Like when, when obstacles come up for you, there's human nature to try and create justifications, but the successful of us sort of hear it, push it away and, and then uh, create a strategy to, to move forward. What's your approach with that? I have a very particular way of approaching this, and it comes from Ryan Holiday. He's a author that specializes in the modern rearticulation of Stoic philosophy. Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, those guys. I think the quote, I'm going to maybe paraphrase or misquote it, but it's the one he quotes often is the 
impediment to action advances action. What is the way becomes the way. And so that's where he comes up with the title, The Obstacle is the Way. And when you deconstruct that, it sounds pithy, but it's so profound, it's life-changing if you actually adopt it. So here's what I think. I think that life is like a marathon. I like running. So imagine everyone starts and you're, you're running. You could keep up with Eliud Kipchoge for probably 50 meters, right? If you were just to go all out, you would be in the front of the you know, New York marathon for 50 meters. If you just sprinted, that's all you did. You just sprinted. You'd be on television. Oh, you know, Jonathan's first place for 50 meters, but you're going to fall off, right? And so people fall off over time. And so that's how I view obstacles in business and in life is that whenever I come upon another obstacle, the more difficult it is, I imagine running a race with other competitors. And when they come upon that obstacle and it's incredibly difficult, I think, good. That means that fewer people are going to be at the next stage. And then you do it again and again and again and again. You know, how many people have the problem of I have to pay payroll for 400 people. It's a very weird problem. But I want to talk to the people that have the problem of paying payroll for 20,000 people. That to me is a more interesting problem. The obstacle is how do I every single month pay $400,000 in, in payroll? How do I do that every month? Well, then next month, if I grow my company, now I need to pay 410000 And then I grow my company, and now I need 500000 and on and on and on. These are, these are real problems with real money, with people that have mortgages and rent, and they have to buy food. And you know it's a responsibility. And so for me, as an entrepreneur, the harder the problem, the less competition I feel like I have on the other side of the answer to that problem. So that to me is how I get excited. I'm like, it's like a, at the end of the video game, you have a big boss. Of course, you have to beat the big boss at the end of the video game or else you're not going to get to the next level. 100%. Um, you said a couple of things that I think are, are very interesting. Obstacles being the resistance points is a resistance point only because you don't have the skills to overcome that at the moment. Because if I can only lift, uh, like if I can lift 50 pounds, right? And somebody else can only lift 20 they don't have the, you know, bad example, but quote unquote skills to lift yep. more than that. And so they can't overcome that. So they need to develop either the strength uh, or the technique to be able to get past that point. You see it with, with uh, like a power lifter versus an Olympic lifter. Power lifter will try and push the, the weight above their head. The Olympic lifter will kind of just fling it. And it's, and it's like, they didn't have to develop the same level of strength because they have the uh, the the neurology and the technique to fling it disproportionate to their muscle mass. Let's say it's a different it's a different skill set because it's a different activity, and so the resistance you come against should be an indicator of uh, where there is a, a missing skill. Because if you had all the skills, I can speak English, so I don't have the resistance of communicating with you. But if I did, it's not your fault; it's mine for not having the skill. And so when we're able to uh, sense the resistance and have this self awareness to realize that it's probably a lack of skills or a lack of team or a lack of process or lack of something, we can then begin to 
to, to, to fill those gaps. And a mentor of mine, Alex Hormozzi talks about that. It's like building the bridge with the next skill, the next skill, the next skill. And often entrepreneurs get stuck because we, we don't have the awareness to realize that there's a skill missing. And so they try and bridge the gap with just the same skills and they keep falling off at the same points. Um, I've always tried to lean into that, like unknowing, unknowingly before I kind of got into some Ryan holiday stuff was realizing that, Hey, I got really good feelings and I achieved a lot of stuff when I kind of just did the thing that made me have fear or concern, or there was resistance there. I was like, Oh, let's go there. Let's see what happens. And that was, uh, where I found joy. And it was like a, almost a conditioning. And I think that the most successful people, again, knowingly or unknowingly, are conditioning themselves to face those down. I think it's uh, Jocko uh, talks about this, where it's like, I might not like getting up at 4am or I might not like having cold showers. I might not like doing this thing, but by continuing to do them in spite of that, uh, you're conditioning yourself to to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And therefore, when the uncomfortable inevitably appears, instead of running away from it, uh, you lean into it. And if I could distill down what you've said and some other mentors of, of mine that I've said and thoughts that I've had, it's like, if you want to be successful, you need to be have enough preparation that when there's resistance, you go, yes, I'm ready for it. Not, oh shit, this is uncomfortable and I want an easier way out, which is what most people do. And that's why you know, they, the 1% have all the wealth because the 1% are willing to do the things that the 99% aren't because it's not magic. It's not luck. You create your luck through your actions. Jonathan, I want to ask you about with so many companies, did you find that you jumped into them because you thought they would be great, uh, great opportunities or have they kind of been almost sequential based on solving your own problems for yourself and seeing opportunities with what you're doing in one and then realizing there was a there was a gap and then you went to the next. I was very on purpose with MentorBox because I'm a voracious reader and I'm obsessed with learning. So that was very on purpose. I've always wanted to do something with education and books. And I loved the idea of having requiring as a part of the business learning. <laughs> I thought that was... That would, that would have been a, a great job. So that was sort of the perfect job. And that was very on purpose. The next level to scale for that company, my number one optimization in, in my life, some people optimize for, for money or legacy or status or material possessions, which is really just status. But uh, mine is freedom. Certainly like 10 out of 10. So I realized that the level of freedom that I wanted required a different, more scalable business model that had a larger total addressable market. And so optimizing for full freedom beyond anything else, I took the skills that I had and saw opportunities within the confines of those skills and, and build businesses like outsourced talent in the digital business space is, yeah, the total adjustable market is, is over a trillion dollars in terms of the payroll for every video editor, every copywriter, 
every social media manager, every web developer, every app developer, every salesperson. These are all uh, departments in our company. You combine all of the resources there, it's an insane market. And then the capital, the capital markets are also trillion dollar markets. And you know, some of the largest companies and the most profitable companies in the world are software as a service. So that's why I started my other company. So in that sense, I was very strategic about choosing markets where you know, even 1% of 1% of 1% of the market share would give me total freedom. When you were looking at starting companies, obviously you can't run all of them if you're the center person doing everything. And so did you have partners or did you have connections that allowed you to very quickly create the infrastructure that meant that you could remove yourself in a reasonable period of time and then you could move to the next one? Because I can only imagine that with so many companies and they'd be uh, large, some of them very large, that trying to run it all yourself when you've got the desire to have freedom uh, is counterproductive. So what was your process to be able to have multiple companies, large companies, but still serve the the immediate principle of freedom? So I would push back. I'm very good at the marshmallow test. So when I say I'm optimizing for freedom, I'm optimizing for freedom with me and my wife for 60 years, but I'm okay with having less freedom for the next two to five. So I am playing a very particular game. And you know, me and my wife have had the conversation. Okay, well, what if you die in the next you know three years, knock on wood? Well, you know, I have enjoyed the process. But I, I I know the bet that I'm that I'm making. I, in a lot of ways, I have less freedom right now. But I'm building the infrastructure on purpose for more freedom. To answer your specific question, I had part I have partners in every business, and then we hire executives under the partners as quickly as possible. So that's one of my recommendations. If you want to be moving the needle of the business, I recommend replacing yourself as an operator as quickly as possible so that you can see from the vantage point of the business owner. I think some people want to take too much in the moment. They want to skim off the top. Um, So I'm willing to take a lot less now, next year, the next year in exchange for hiring and developing C-suite executives who can in three years, in four years, in five years, completely take it off my hands without me being involved, except for maybe one quarterly meeting. It makes a ton of sense. I suppose it comes back to, are you building a a business that's a cage around you or are you building a business that's saleable? And I know that, for example, in my industry, I'm a chiropractor by trade and it's the classic thing that I'm going to get into business and open a practice. In reality, I just own my job and I can never go on holiday. And and when I actually start to pay attention, it kind of sucks. And I would have probably been better off working for somebody because I've built a cage. Uh, so what's your advice to, to small businesses who tend to be the the operator, the the, the practitioner, the, the, the technician in the center and realizing that, hey, maybe things are not, I'm, I'm building a cage in 30 years. I'm not actually building a business. What would your advice be to them? I would say start by reading the E-Myth, um, which talks about this. The whole book is basically following a, a baker who, for the same thing, everyone says, oh, my God, your cakes are amazing. You, you should start a bakery. She starts a bakery and then very quickly realizes that she also has to be uh, an HR specialist and an accountant and a tax specialist and customer support and 
it, it, it's a lot more complicated than the joy of baking. And so, again, it goes back to self-awareness. You know, what do you really want? And then if you want to bring the joy back into it, you have to create SOPs, standard operating procedures and systems, which requires another level of self-awareness. You have to observe what you're doing above yourself and stop the insanity thinking that only you can do it. There is something that you're doing. Write it down. Like, know exactly what am I doing? How am I the only one that can make the sale? Oh, I've tried salespeople, but for whatever reason, I'm the only one that can close the deal. Okay, that's not true. Why, why do you think that that's true? Be specific about what you're saying and how you're saying it, and then turn it into a script. Uh, turn it into a teachable you know, video. Why can't I go on vacation? Oh, well, what are the three things that I'm always responsible for? Okay, is there anyone on my team or anyone in the world that could do those three things? The answer is newsflash, yes, right? So it's really just listing out the things that you feel like only you can do, asking yourself strategically, what, what am I doing that makes me feel like only I can do them? Turn them into an SOB and either train or hire for those things. And all of a sudden you'll find yourself with a lot more freedom. I'm, uh, I'm making a ton of notes here because it's uh, whenever I'm on one of these uh, interviews and I get to interview people like yourself who are immensely successful in doing things that, that, that I'm looking for and in, into the future, it makes me kind of self-reflect on some stuff. And so, for example, I've made notes on, uh, and I'm hoping my listeners are doing the same thing. I've made notes on sometimes leaving the business or stepping back or preparing it to be able to be sold in the future uh, can set you up for bigger things. And often you will hold yourself back because you have fears and things like that of what will I be if I'm not in this? Or if I'm to if if I'm not to be the one in control, then the whole thing's going to fall down. Or what if I did sell it? Then what am I going to do? And I think that a, a lot of those things, especially for me, it's coming up, are these things that hold us back from doing the right next step because we think that there won't be something else. But we forget that it's it's who you become in the pursuit of those things, the connections you make, the things you learn, that you'll have a different set of skills and you can go and do the next thing or Maybe you never do sell in 10 years like you plan, you sell in 30, but you've built a business that now operates and doesn't need you so much so you can live your life and you don't build that prison. Do you have anything that you can add to that? Yeah, I love what you're saying there. The way that I frame it to myself is identity. A lot of times people don't do whatever, let's call it the right thing or make the right decision because they're insecure deep down. And usually insecurity is because you are attaching your self-worth and your identity to outcome-dependent things like your business and not asking why, why, why a couple of layers deeper, going to the first principles. What do all the great books have in common? There are things like be kind, have a community, be healthy to your body. I am a person who learns. I am a person who does things that make me uncomfortable. I am a person who attempts to help my community. I am a person who forgives rather than seeks vengeance. These are 
old ideas. And if you attach your identity and your self-worth to these more core values, then everything that's happening above, you can become a croissant baker in Paris for five years or you know, go uh, learn Spanish in Argentina or become a professor at some university in Boston. Go in and out of whatever. This is why I wear this hat for Scump because I really like the the different epochs he had in his life. He was an Olympian. He was a war hero. He was an entrepreneur. He, you know, did running. He was a great father. He loved his wife. He had a. He checked off a lot of really crazy boxes. And if you attach your identity to these core values, then you're much stronger. And you'll make decisions based on helping others and being honest with yourself and not being so scared or worried about changing your outward identity and then being insecure about what others might think or, you know, who am I, who you, who you are, you know, you're a person that is kind. You're a person who goes after your goals. You're the type of person who forgives. You're the type of person who lights up the room. These are way more important than anything happening on the in your career or your business. And ironically, if you own those values, you will be more confident. And that will usually result in better outcomes in the real world. But I don't think it's the chicken or the egg. I think it's the egg first. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that when when we don't have strong values, uh, it's too easy to be influenced by external voices and things. Uh, and somebody that that I'm thinking of with this, somebody that I I, I sort of uh, I always look at and I'm always amazed by who does this for me is Elon Musk. The amount of times that he's been absolutely crapped on by everybody who's supposed to be somebody in it, and then just does it anyway, I think is astonishing. I've always been a a long better on what he's doing. And uh, an example of that for me is uh, electric cars and, uh, and Tesla and how uh, everybody said that, you know, it's a way overvalued company and, and doesn't do enough and how can it blah, blah, blah. And now we see, uh, I think Honda has just, uh, it put $40 billion into producing electric cars and, Ford is doing all these things and all these other companies are suddenly starting to, to catch on uh, because of the, the, the trend that he's been able to make with open source uh, ideas because he's just been leading the way because he was very clear on what the outcome was and he just knew that it would catch on because he just knew it to be true. And I think that we don't in ourselves, uh, we don't let ourselves know things to be true and pursue them despite what others are doing. And so I see that with, uh, with Elon and, and he knew from the start what he was doing. Others couldn't see it, but he did it anyway. And people still don't see it. And they will uh, in due course because avid investors like me know that Tesla is not a car company, but people still see it through their own view of the world from their own experiences. And that's okay. And I think that uh, a literal example of this for the listeners is is you have a dream to do something and your spouse, your brother, your mom, your friend says it's crazy, never going to work. If it was that easy, then everyone would do it, blah, 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 blah. 
And the reality is that they just don't have the same level of conviction and they don't have the same vision as you. If everybody is blind and I can see, uh, and I can see that there's an opportunity or a danger or something like that, and no one's listening to me, but I'm the only one who has the vision. Should I listen to all the blind people when I can see? It's like, well, no, that's obvious. But how many of us have the vision and don't pursue it because we're listening to the blind people for their perspectives? And I think that that's a, a, a deep one. Where where could someone go to get some more of these uh, values to start attaching them to their identity? Because I'm looking at this thinking, you know, I'm thinking Ryan Holiday would have some good ideas, that kind of thing. But where where did you get these from and, and where can people kind of look into this stuff? Because I think that when we hear it and we see it, we know it, but it's it's being able to to see it and hear it, to know it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think for leadership, extreme ownership, you mentioned Jocko Willink is great. I think for business principles by Ray Dalio or uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins has some deep fundamentals. And for the core values, pick up any great book, <laughs> you know, it, any, any religious text, you know, they're all going to be, they're all going to say basically the same 10 or 15 things. Um, Stoic philosophers are great. Uh, in meditations, so Marcus Aurelius is a really good start um, to go to a, a principal text. And also to your point about this idea of conviction, there's a book called Think and Grow Rich, which is one of the first self-development science books ever. There were a few in the 19th century, but the the first big hit uh, was in the 20th century in the United States. And he interviewed Thomas Edison and Ford and Rockefeller and JP Morgan and the Vanderbilt and all these guys. And the first real self-made entrepreneurial, powerful people. And Chapter one is belief. And I think that is a synonym for what you were saying with conviction. Because that before, before you're able to do anything, you have to believe that you can do it, no matter the odds against you. And then he says, step two, you have to have a vision. Chapter two is vision. And chapter three is about having a burning desire. So then saying, what is that vision? What am I willing to do to get it? And then brainwashing yourself day in and day out that you're going to accomplish it by, but what are you going to do in order to earn it, right? But before you're able to do any of that methodology, you have to believe that you can. Uh, so I agree with you. It brings up an interesting memory of a, of a client I had uh, when I was in practice. And I'm always interested in health, obviously, as a health professional. And my wife and I decided to to cut some things out of our diet and uh, sort of clean up our lifestyle a little bit. Not that to, not to say that it was bad, but just you know, just to be better. And I was talking to this client. And we were talking about. They said, "Oh, you know, I've I've tried everything to lose weight, and you know, it's just my hormones, and I just I just can't or whatever." And I went, "Well, okay, I don't necessarily believe that, but sure." And then I said, well, this is what, what I had been doing. And, and it's not like I've got extra weight to lose. And I'd, I'd lost a couple kgs. I had more energy. I was feeling amazing. And she said, well, what did you do? And I said, well, I, I cut these things out of my diet and I, and I started adding these things and I did this. And she said, oh, no, I don't want to starve myself. And I went, there we go. It's like there is, there is 
maybe a lack of vision and belief that I can achieve it. And so therefore, when, when presented with the map, uh, we create reasons as to why we can't because we just, we're unwilling to, to, to give up the things that are holding us back and do the things that would get us there. It's like, I'm here and I want to be there. I'm going to have to put down, you know, turn off Netflix and I'm going to have to start moving my feet. And if I'm unwilling to turn off Netflix, it's not going to work. And if I'm not willing to move my feet, it's not going to work. And that's okay. My, my belief and, 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 you know, from Gary V type stuff, right. It's like, it, that's okay. Just accept then that that's where you'll be and enjoy it. Because if you're unhappy, but you're not taking the right actions, then, you know, not to sound harsh, but it's kind of your fault. Like if I'm not happy, you're not a tree move. Right. As, uh, as my grandmother would say to me. So it, it's, it's interesting that we all have some level of control, not necessarily over what has happened to us or, you know, creating every desire that we ever want magically, but we have control over the things we do, the things we say, the things we think about, the things we let into our head. And one of the most important lessons I ever learned was control what you let into your head. You don't let anybody get into your phone. You've got a passcode for that, but you just let anything into your head from social media, the news, your friends, right? And it starts to just chip away at the desire, the conviction, the beliefs. You start borrowing other people's beliefs instead of your own. And you wonder why you ended up at the wrong train station because you got on the wrong train because you listened to everybody else instead of doing what you knew would be the thing that would get you to where you want to be. And I think this is an amazing segue for us to finish up. I feel like I I could talk to you for hours. Um, Where can our audience connect with you online and see what you're doing and get involved with some of your stuff? Most active on Instagram. So jonathan.kendall. If you're interested in, you know, working, working with me or one of my companies, if you need digital marketing or or business help, virtualworkernow.com. And if you need help raising capital for a venture, uh, dealraise.com. Uh, Lead Nurture, we're on a long waiting list, but you can go to leadnurture.com and apply there if you'd like. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. And and it was really kind of self-reflective for me as well. I've got a page of notes here that I'm going to go and think about some things. And one of which is is what we talked about, uh, you know, bringing in more people and, and building an entity that I have a timeline on and when I'm going to leave. And when I thought about doing that, interestingly, there, there was fears and insecurities that came up. And so since I am someone that faces those, I'm going to go and face those. And I appreciate you for, for that help. I love it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode so you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now, if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business, We're doing topics on all things that you need to live a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit jamesnielsenwatt.com forward slash live and you can get access to that now. There's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show. All of that will be in the description. 
So if you are watching this on YouTube, check the description. If you're listening to this episode, check the description. We've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life, whether it's relationships, investing, or in business. I'll see you on the next episode. And as always, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.